What's an agenda? It's a question I ask myself, and get asked, a lot. The answer is larger and more personal than a simple response can do justice. This series is an exploration of different facets of that question, a record of dialogues among transgender, non-binary, and gender non-conforming individuals. I hope it offers a window into our lives, to those who live outside it, and a source of inspiration and validation for those of you who can't currently live authentically in your own lives. I'm your host, Tenacity, or Temerity, or sometimes T, Granger. I use they, them, and fey fair pronouns, and we're here to take another look at answering what's in a gender. So I have three guests with me today. These are people that I talk about games a lot with. Today we're going to be talking about games and gender and using games to explore identity and those sorts of topics here. All right, let's start with introductions. We'll just go go from the left here. Anna? Hi, I'm Nomi. Well, okay, this is the first time I've been doing a podcast where I'm not the host. Yep. So my name is Laura Grace. Most people call me Nomi, Nomi though. I use she, her, or they, them pronouns, preferably she, her. You might also hear one of these people calling me Anon because of my Discord username, which is Anonymous Andy Soma. That's pretty much it for me. My name is Mel, but I normally go by Loki, or Chaos is also acceptable, part of my Discord username. I generally use he, him, or they, them pronouns, and I'm actually agender, so it's non-binary, that whole label. Hi, I'm Reed. Either spelling is correct, B-R-I-D-H or B-R-E-D-E. I am gender fluid. I use they, them, she, her, or z, zer pronouns. That's X-E-X-E-R. I'm a writer by trade. <laughs> and this is my first ever podcast, so bear with me. Oh, same. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you for joining. Nomi, Loki, Breed. All right. So I want to start with a quick story about myself and gender and D&D, actually. So I realized I was trans because of D&D character I was playing. They were, uh, they are still playing them. A character named Sagacity. They're not a great person, but that's fine. They are, however, they're gender fluid. They are trans. And I, I was careful when starting the character because at the time I thought I was cis and I was worried about telling a story that really wasn't mine to tell. But I also was in a position where I had some friends of mine who were trans and willing to talk to me about how to run a character like that without falling too badly into tropes. I also wasn't doing this for any sort of public consumption, which I think is there's a valid difference between exploring something on your own and exploring it in the context of something you're marketing or something you're selling. So this character I had, uh, Sagacity, I would, would play this character and I was really enjoying it. And I found that when I was trying to fall into playing the character, it was getting easier and easier to sort of slip into that mode. Uh, a concept known as bleed popular particularly amongst LARPers, but really applies to all sorts of different games. So I felt this bleed, and it was very easy to get into that bleed state. But pulling back out of that, which is important in a bleed state, because you don't want to bring all the emotional baggage your characters have back with you against the DM or anything like that. So you need to be able to pull back out of that. Pulling back out of that got harder and harder and harder. And I realized Part of the reason was because in that character, I was being validated in a gender identity I hadn't even really considered before. 
And through that, through that interrogation of my relationship with this character that I thought didn't match my gender, made me realize a lot more about myself. Anyway, so that's that's sort of my big story with D&D, particularly, and, and how I used it to explore. But I'm curious as to other thoughts about using games to explore identity. So do you have any thoughts on that? So actually it was sort of, it was like sort of the opposite for me. So when I was, I want to say 17, I was trying to explore my gender in sort of a productive way. It was a few years ago on a specific Discord server that I forgot the name of where I met one of my friends there, currently still friends. They at the time went by Fay Fear pronouns and I was like, huh, that seems pretty neat. I'm going to look up how to respect them, and then that led me down a gender rabbit hole. But then this was about the time that uh, the Avengers on Balance had introduced their character to Loop, and as pretty much the first trans character that I had heard of that was, like, good rep, that had got me into, like, Paz Balance and, by extension, D&D. So since then, I have, like, explored my identity through characters like... Uh, I had a character that was named Laura, who is a pirate queen, and uh, is where I got my name because, like, I really I, I felt validated when people would just call me Laura even out out of the game because it was again on a Discord server where it was like uh, we had to set our character's name to our nickname so it doesn't get confused. Yeah. Do you mind if I I just wanted to sort of reiterate the idea of those names and how important it is. Discord for me has been this huge thing for just being able to try out names so easily because people always call you by your username. Or your nickname and you can change it at will and i think that's really powerful sorry please continue yeah it is it is really neat actually because like on things like tumblr or something i don't really i was never really a big chat room fan until discord so i'm gonna have mostly tumblr uh, comparisons because i was on there way too young on things like tumblr it was like people wouldn't really call you things so even if you're like, huh, I'm gonna I'm gonna try this name out, uh, set set profile to this. It's not really a thing that people call you unless you're like really famous and your your name is your name is part of your brand, I guess. Yeah. Things like shit, Blumshoe, fucking the Randy your sticks post. Yeah. Yeah, like it's not really it's not really a thing. Uh, but on Discord, you don't really have anything else to call people, and you're talking directly. So it's like. Yeah, you're gonna you're gonna need you're gonna need an introduction of people if you don't already know them, and you're gonna follow that introduction. Yeah, yeah, I know. Um, people have been calling me T for years on the internet because the username I use, uh, T Tenji, starts with a T, and it just always gets shortened that. Or occasionally someone shortens it to T, and I'm like, <laughs> really? <laughs> you didn't think that one I through, mean did you? Sorry? Well, I mean, it's your fault, too, for having a name that's that easy to do that with. <laughs> okay, fine. I'll take half blame for that. I'll take some blame. I think with the name thing, my Discord gaming groups a couple, were the first people I tested out my new name with. I'm, I literally started going by Breed yesterday in public. Uh, before that, I'd spent about a month going by it with my main Discord gaming group, my main... D&D group. I asked them to use it <laughs> after a rash of the other players changing their names, actually. And I was like, oh yeah, I could do that too. I don't have to sit here and think, I don't have to sit here and think about it for ages and never do it. I can actually just do that if I want. Reminds, uh, reminds me of the, the joke, what, what do you call a polycule of transpians? <laughs> <laughs> 
What do you I don't know. What do you call Hearthfield Transients? A Discord. <laughs> oh my god, no. <laughs> um, How dare you? How dare you say something that resembles me so deeply? Um, <laughs> and so, but the thing is, I think, especially with games, I think you build an intimacy with people that you're in role-playing games with and because you're spending several hours a week essentially acting out often quite emotive subjects. And these people become your friends much faster than they would necessarily through a more normal proceeding. Yeah, yeah. So it feels more comfortable to try out new expressions. I mean, they're already used to calling you two separate names. Why not add a third? Why not add a fourth? Why not add some, we- why not we add some more, unusual, more unusual pronouns to see how you like them? Yeah, I know. <laughs> I have a bad habit with characters collecting names. Sagacity goes by like Sagacity, S, Serendipity, Stretto, Sand, The Whistler, Tiny Terror. You know, it just it's an entertaining thing how many how many names you can collect in a role playing game, for sure. I don't know, I just I'm gonna say I don't know a lot because That's fine. I, Gender's I hard. Don't. <laughs> Gender is hard. My therapist once asked me to try and explain it to her and I just sort of went uh I mean, I'm doing a whole podcast to sort of, like, try and poke at it. See if I can get anything to fall out, like some sort of gender pinata. (laughs) That was a great description. I need a... Maybe I'll need a bigger bat. (laughs) I think we all need a bigger bat. We live in a... I don't need a bigger bat. I'm going to get rid of my bat. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, why are you laughing so hard? (laughs) This is the thing. When cis people tell these jokes, it's bad because they're not coming from the right frame of mind. Yeah. Oh no, you you definitely have to be in this group to make those jokes. Yeah, if you want to make a joke about my dick, you either have to be not cis or you have to be dating me. And like, there's really those are the only options. Yeah, that it's a fair thing. It's like I've always ruled that people are only allowed to joke about me being a slutty bisexual if I'm either having sex with them or they're also bi. I resemble that remark. (laughs) Because when straight people say it, it's backing up a really toxic public narrative. But when I say it, it's just like, haha, stereotypes. (laughs) Also, I resemble this stereotype a bit. (laughs) Being able to take back the things that people have attached to our stereotypes is definitely one of my favorite things about being on a spectrum. Like, just the satisfaction of knowing you can make jokes all you want, but it's not true until I make a joke about it. Yeah, for sure. This is mine yeah. now. This is mine. I got my nasty queer little hands all over it, <laughs> and it's never going to be mine. My gremlin hands. <laughs> <laughs> By the way, d d it's, it's gay now. This is can't have it. Sorry. It's 100% gay. Like, have you seen the bards? Have yeah. you seen the tieflings? Okay, okay. The cis gays, I guess, can, can show up. They're allowed. <laughs> <laughs> that, that's fair. That's one. That's fair. Also, <laughs> the tiefling thing. I've heard it said before, and it's true. There is a... I, but I cannot possibly imagine why all these queer people would want and identify with a species explicitly said in the canon to be reviled and hated and misunderstood wherever they go. Can you... Can you think of a reason that might be the case? So I'm I can. Blank here. So I have. <laughs> I, I really am. I'm. I. I don't understand anything at all ever. Uh, let alone well, deeplings. Well, that's because you're gay. Um. <laughs> also, don't forget that they are the most horny creatures that we can actually play. 
Also, you can put them in a crop top and a pair of heels and just have your ideal self right there. Yeah. So I actually had tieflings on my list of topics for this conversation. Okay. Okay. So if we want to transfer into tieflings, I am happy to. If someone wants to start with that one, I have a whole bunch of stuff I wanted to unpack. Please let me. Okay. Okay, go for it. My first character is Dalius Moonridge and is a tiefling bard. Yes, all of the stereotypes. <laughs> I couldn't not do a bard for my first D&D character. Like, I just, I couldn't not do it. It was everything I wanted in D&D. Sagacity might tiefling bard too. I'm not going to confirm that, but... <laughs> you just confirmed it, I'm sorry. <laughs> You're also a cleric. <laughs> <laughs> but, like, Dalius was, for me, it was my experience of everything that I had wanted to be. Because before I realized that I was non-binary, I thought that I was trans. And for me, it was an opportunity to explore being the opposite gender that I had been born with. And it was everything to me. Like, it was perfect. I even now I say Dalius is me without inhibition. It like I just act myself if I was in the situation that Dalius is in and it's perfect to his character. Like that's the embodiment of what Dalius is. And it's hilarious because the campaign that I'm in right now for him is a very cursed campaign, like <laughs> legitimately cursed. Like I don't mean like meme cursed, I mean like cursed. <laughs> And he picks up, he is the curse sponge. He picks up curses from everywhere. I think right now he has, uh, so his right hand has been replaced with a much larger green left hand. <laughs> well, he should have a green thumb. Yeah, uh... I mean, you know. <laughs> his mouth was sealed shut by a curse that like, it just, he couldn't open it. He couldn't speak. He couldn't do anything. So I took a knife and I cut it open. So that I could speak again, so that I could cast spells. Mood so bar. now I have like I this giant mood, scar. <laughs> so now I have this giant scar across my face. I don't know where I got these scars. Uh, I then... have no mouth, and I must make one. Exactly. So then the next one was a curse that made my tongue longer, and I couldn't speak anything but deep speech. So you call that a curse? No, okay. No, 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 no. I felt the same way when I when I got the curse. I was like, okay, I don't really see a downside to this. I have a long tongue, and I can speak deep speech. And I just learned a new language here. That and like getting my tongue trimmed down just a little bit took away the fact that I couldn't speak any other language. So now I just I have a slightly longer tongue, and I can speak deep speak along with abyssal and common like i don't see a problem with this no it's excellent talented tongues, it's a great yeah 100 great exactly <laughs> <laughs> and then the latest curse that i picked up was a I, I got like tentacles and extra hands sprouting out of my back and if i get hit then they start flailing randomly and they'll attack anything within five feet of me is the extra hand a right hand it, more than one extra hand and oh. all of them are left hands <laughs> so i have no right hands on my body at all <laughs> Yeah, no, but, like, all of these are results of me just being me if I was in that situation. So, does that, does like, that ever worry you? No, not <laughs> at all, because every single Goals. curse that I've gotten, I've seen as, like, a positive with some weird side effect. Definitely. My tiefling isn't half as cursed. Um, <laughs> are you sure about that? Pretty sure so far. So far. Although we did just have a vision quest and they may have seen a horrifying truth about history that they weren't supposed to know and then set fire to a town on orders. So they're feeling a little wobbly right now. But they are 
Adventure Ven Agnolipsis, Tiefling Sorcerer, and they were at least partly an exercise in if I could build a tra really tra stereotypically tragic Tiefling Sorcerer backstory, but have them be possibly the sweetest human being alive. Well, not oh human being, God, obviously, the it. sweetest Tiefling alive. I and I so far have achieved it. Ven is a sunflower child who dresses in like sweet Lolita outfits, constantly speaking speaks constantly like this oh and is always very talkative and oh did you know oh you're doing so well dad aren't you wonderful and then just casually dropping in really truly horrifying things about I, their history i love this i love this character i need to meet this character oh i mean you can't have a tiefling and not have a tragic backstory like dalius has a terrible story and it like none of the my party again, members know it again, yet and i'm like oh god the, again how come all these queer people relate to these horrifying tragic backstories i, I, have, I have no idea i don't know my life's been great don't know what the problem is <laughs> Uh, but essentially, I help. I, my GM is one of those ones where when you build the backstory, you are helping build the world. Yeah. So my backstory ends up feeding back into the world like they're. So it's like a homebrew setting. And so there's um, a nation that is ruled and run by tieflings, and Ben is a noble from that situation, and their parents are terrible in every, pretty much every way a parent can be a failure as a parent. Hmm, I where there. that came from. <laughs> yeah, let's hope my parents don't listen to this one, shall we? Uh, <laughs> that would be terrible. Because then I'm going to have to an awkward phone call. Um, <laughs> but, uh, I don't know. When I first started playing d and I think I'm a bit older than the rest of you. I don't know first... about that. True. I'm 27, I'll start. <laughs> 34. That's not so bad. Oh, 21. okay. <laughs> I started quite, out, quite a spread here. I started playing D&D when I was 15, and I think at that point that was second ed. And it was not a great experience because I was playing with a bunch of teenage boys. I'm sorry. That all yeah. As someone who thought... Yeah, I apologize for your loss. Yeah. <laughs> Once I thought I was a teenage boy, and I'm sorry. <laughs> oh my god. I mean, I once thought I was a teenage girl, and I'm still sorry. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> teenagers are terrible, I think we can agree on that. Um, all teenagers, all of them. Doesn't matter what you identify as; they're all terrible. But I wasn't a hundred percent aware that you could explore real things through D and D at that point, or from role playing games in general. But I think I still ended up accidentally doing it in the sense that I tended to. Back then, I had a lot. I had my various mental health conditions were undiagnosed and untreated and I tended to play characters who had my symptoms only very exaggerated and played up. So that was another kind of exploration, I guess. And then Ven, yes. Ven became a deliberate exploration of how you could, in a way, it has ended up being a an exploration of how you can be both non-binary and ex in very feminine in your presentation and in the way the world sees you and how those things can be true. Oh, definitely. Your presentation yes. is not your gender. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I my goal is to look super femme, but that doesn't... Generally... Would you like to trade bodies? <laughs> uh, I'm working on mine. I'm. I put some money into it now. I. I'll, okay, I'll, I'll okay. see where it takes me. You can have half my tits. They're giving me a backache. Uh, sure. I, 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 will, have, I will. I trade still my have yet to apply. I, I still have yet to apply for unemployment. So I ain't there yet. Yeah. I'm just doing my best to get a job. Go quarantine. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. If quarantine's over by the time this podcast goes out, wow! I have not 
touched another person apart from my spouse in three months. <laughs> Pretty much. Yeah, probably gonna put this out sometime in June, but I'm sure I will fail at that, and then the podcast will show that I'm a liar. And we're gonna we're gonna look back at everything that goes on in this podcast and be like, that was during quarantine. How long ago was that? Oh, that was like a year ago. <laughs> well, I mean, I think part of the reason that I'm doing this is largely because, you know, we're, we're stuck in this uh, semi-post-apocalyptic capitalistic hellscape, and I'm, I'm just trying to, like, pull something out of it, because I'm losing it otherwise. <laughs> I mean, what else is there to do besides, you know... Drink too, drink too, drink too much, and annoy your pets. That's what I've been doing. That works too. Yeah, I'm still working, but that's its that's its own thing. Work from home, thankfully. But I actually, uh, I do. I'm not going to mention any company names or anything, but I'm involved with medical care in a technical perspective. So. Oh, that's got to be fun. Yeah, it's a lot of people I talk to on the phone are very stressed, even though I'm not. We're not talking directly about the crisis. It's still... It's there on everyone's mind. Yeah, it's in the back of everybody's mind. and There's no real way to get around it. Yeah, All right. Chiefly. Gay. Sorry, I took us off top force there a bit. Need to I was going to say, on the plus side, you know, people who are, like, introverts and, like, people who have touch aversions, this is, like, the best time for us. I yeah. personally have a touch aversion, and I don't, I don't like being touched. If I touch you, that's, you know, it's me initiating it, yeah. and it's kind of a trust thing. But, like, this whole isolation thing is the best thing that has ever happened to me, minus the fact that I don't have a job. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, there are terrible things happening. There are people dying, but I I think that it's totally reasonable for everybody to sort of take what value they can from this. It's a huge change. It's a huge trauma that's, like, collective across the entire planet. And we've got... There's just... There's no right way to respond to a pandemic of this scale. So I think anything anything you do that you're trying to take care of yourself or you're trying to take care of other people or you're just trying to, you know, get by, I think that's good. And I think if you find that you're finding this relaxing, if you find that you're in a position where this is good for you, that's great. Anyone who is getting value from this is good because there's too much suffering to begrudge people value. Anyways, anyways, back to gay tieflings. Yeah. So, so have I want to talk. you ever met a straight tiefling? I haven't. <laughs> I, I have not either. My Even my tiefling, like, I, I play him as being very, like, open and pansexual, but both of the relationships that I've had in the campaign have been gay <laughs> relationships, so, like, stereotype much? <laughs> I've met bi tieflings. Ben's bi. Ben's bi currently has a crush on their equally non-binary elf wizard friend. Aww. Um, it's very I've met tieflings that thought they were straight. Thought. But no tieflings really straight. Then they met sagacity. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, oh. Silence is now sagacity's husband. That worked great. <laughs> but yeah, so, so I want to talk a bit about tieflings. And we were already discussing how they're, you know, canonically, they're reviled. They're seen as something that is very negative. They're seen with a lot of racist stereotypes. But I want to unpack racism in that context a little bit because tieflings aren't necessarily born to tieflings. And I think that's why it's so attractive to people in the LGBT community. We're not born uh, to be straight. <laughs> we're not no, born. Yeah, but I mean, yeah. we're not born to be straight. But the point is, like, our parents, they might have been straight. I assume there are still straight people that exist and are having children. Assume. So, assume is the key word in there. In 2020? Yeah, I mean, I don't know, but I'm, I'm making an assumption. I'm making How an dare. assumption. But, but the point is, like, tieflings are... 
They're seen as this sort of negative and untrustworthy and passionate and things like that. And they're seen as all of that and they're charismatic because they have to like sort of know themselves. I want to get into virtue names in a second because I love virtue names. But they're doing all of this and they're born to families that might not have any tieflings or might have tieflings. And I think that is sort of attractive because it, it matches the idea of being born into a society without any guidelines for how to deal with your identity, without any real supports that you necessarily have access to. Some might, some won't. You have parents that might not be able to see the same struggles as you do, which I think is a big difference between LGBT prejudice and racial prejudice, that we don't, like, there's there's that different struggles there. Uh, I mean, obviously there are other different struggles, but I think in that way, tieflings are in a large way more analogous to the LGBT community. Obviously, where that analogy breaks down and it does become more of a racial thing is tieflings are pretty readily visible. Yeah. Although, so if we I, want to talk about visibility... Yeah, I, go ahead. I have got... I mean, I am a person who dyes their hair bright colours and has a lot of tattoos and <laughs> used, to have an under, used to have a side shave. I do try... And I have a bunch of pronoun badges on one of my jackets. I do try to make myself as visible as possible. Sure. Yeah, and I think I think that that also works. Like as far as the as LGBT people and sorry, I'm saying LGBT because I'm tripping over words, but LGBT plus the whole whole community. I'm not trying to be exclusionist or anything like that. I just words. But yeah, I I think the community there is is very much using tieflings as sort of a visible out person and I think the analogy works in that sense. Yeah. Let's also not forget that tieflings have historically been seen as literally the devil. And yes. and there's they- definitely and there's definitely that analogy to the way that, like, bad Christians, I, I'm saying this because I am a Christian and I don't think that all Christians are like this, but the, like, stereotypical Christian viewpoint of LGBT plus community being, like, wrong and sinful and, like, of the Possessed devil. In some yeah. of the worst cases. Exactly, yeah. I am sinful and of the devil, but it has nothing to do with me being <laughs> queer. <laughs> Same. Yeah, no, I, I agree. And the thing is, what I love is that canonically, especially in, in most recent edition, we see this like tieflings, these things are believed and they're not true. Yeah. <laughs> tieflings have the same range of human behavior as ever, as whoever they're born to. And it's sort of like, that's great. I do like in general that uh, D&D is moving away from always evil races because it made me really uncomfortable in earlier editions. Yeah, um, the, yeah. the racism of D&D could be a whole podcast series on its own. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and not oh, one that I really should speak on being very, very white. Yeah, same. I'm not going to talk too much on it. I will, but I definitely do want to note, yes, there are there are racist implications in a lot of tabletop role-playing games, D&D being notorious for this. I don't want to say it's not unproblematic because it has its problematic bits. It's just, it's also a tool. But really, as queer people, aren't we really, really good at pulling together crumbs out of a problematic mire of mess? 
in our media. Yeah, uh, I, mean, I certainly really, hope so. Yeah. <laughs> That's the goal. And I know, and, and what I really like is that a lot of the communities, especially on Discord and the communities I'm in, where we talk about D&D, this is unpacked. Like, we have people, LGBT people, unpacking those aspects. We have people of color. We have indigenous people. We have black people. We have these communities all sort of working together to pull value out of something that has often been sort of closed to us. And I I enjoy the fact that that's possible. And whenever possible, I try to incorporate that. I try to move into world building in that sense where I am trying to unpack this the best I can. Again, like you said, I'm also white, so I miss things. And when I do, I appreciate the correction. Oh yeah, I'm always willing to have people uh, tell me, uh, no, actually, Breed, that was bad. <laughs> that was a bad take, Breed. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, and I think I th- I think we have to do that. But also, like, um, the idea that just because we're part of minority doesn't mean that we can get away with trashing on other minorities. Yeah. yeah. I think we all have to be in this together because exactly. the wider world loathes us all for different reasons exactly. intersectionalism <laughs> yeah. i say that like magic but it's it's really important i realize i'm not contributing a lot to this discussion because i'm i usually play DD on the dm's end so i only have one tiefling <laughs> and it's like one of four characters total ever i've played DD for five years uh, <laughs> um, but you can take it from like the perspective of building the world around the characters yeah. Especially yeah, and, like all of the different discriminations and such. Yeah. So let's talk about world building. Let's talk about gender specifically in world building. That's another one of my topics here. So this is actually a question. One of the groups I moderate on Facebook and a couple other groups that I don't, I posted something on TDOF regarding how do you handle in your games gender, gender identity, transitioning people, stuff like that. Y'all, I'm sorry to, sorry to interrupt, but it is thundering out here. So we might, you might get some of that in the call. Just saying. All right. All right. Thanks. And if you drop, I'll assume you got struck by lightning <laughs> and gained superpowers, but are asleep. You've been, you've been, this is your superhero origin story right here? Yes, exactly. Oh, can it be my super? In my house while talking about trans D&D podcast. That's, that's a good superhero origin story. Marvel, hire me. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Hey, it, it can't be worse than the new Oh my god, let's Warriors. not get started on those. <laughs> Yeah, I have let's many okay. We're to say, but I will not ever. We're not. We're gonna. So here's my, that's so here's another my episode. Take, here's my take on them. Was that go for um, it? Apparently, the idea was that they were reclaiming them as very phrases nice that like they're good yeah. because they're superheroes that are protecting people versus sure. versus yeah, the de- versus the demonizing of them as 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 like the right wing has done. But then they just not good though. Like the idea was good. The execution was bad. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. I might have an episode about that where where I can do a proper review of my thoughts. But yeah. All right. World building. Let's so. hear from the DM first. Uh, tell yeah. us about your world building. My world building is bad. Um, <laughs> oh, okay. Okay. I see how it is. Uh, no, no. Like, so gender in world building. I come from I come from a stance where like gender doesn't fucking matter in world building. Usually, like I don't want to tackle like sexism in world building because I go to D and D to escape. I guess. So you don't um, want to bring that with you. Yeah. I get it. Yeah. yeah. I don't. I don't want to bring it with me. But something I would like to point out is that. 
sex shifting effects have existed for a very long time. I think since the first edition of D&D, although it could be wrong. Yep, the infamous belt. Yes, technically a cursed item, but every time I read the description, I just think, I can think of a lot of friends who would like that curse right now. Yeah, yeah like it's, it's... I can um, tell you right now, I would like that. Please give it to me. Yeah, I want to talk about, but I want to talk about the fact that it's like seen as a curse. Sure, yeah. Yeah, there's an, there's an inherent assumption there that really needs to be rethought and unpacked because obviously if you change somebody's sex without their consent and against their will when that's not something that they would want to happen to them that is a terrible thing to do but yeah it's not inherently bad for that switch to happen no it's definitely a, a circumstantial thing like you said if if it happens against someone's will and it's not something that they wanted then that is 100 bad but just in general that's not a bad thing one thing i wonder is if there are any cis people out there who had this happen to a character and maybe got a hint of what our lives are like? Uh, actually, there aren't any cis people out there, so... Um... <laughs> <laughs> Unfortunately, that's, you're never going to get that question answered. I'm sorry. Cis people no longer exist. Uh, it's 2020. The cis are illegal. <laughs> That's the tea, sis. Obviously, there are other games, uh, other games than D&D, and some of them make gender and gender exploration an explicit part of their narrative. Wanna, do we want to have a shout out here? To <laughs> I know I've I know Monster Hearts and Urban Shadows, both PBTA hacks, are pretty big on gender and relationships and things like that. So I can't I have think of any of this. I haven't been into like D and D and TTRPGs long enough to have explored all that. All I know is D and D, Five E, and Pathfinder, and that's it. Yeah, that's fair. Well, they're the bigger, they're the bigger boys in the block, as it were. And I think a lot of role players out there are going to mainly have experience with those, and that's fine. I just I've been getting really, really into smaller indie games lately, especially ones that explicitly deal with issues of identity, gender, sexuality. What it's or disability and mental illness. I just bought um, Glitch, which is you are essentially one day you saw that the world was wrong, became a world destroying monster, and now you're essentially terminally ill from reality. Nice. And you're just trying to deal with life and solve some mysteries. And I'm really, really liking it. It's another Jenna Moran piece. So yeah, I'm. I've been looking into. Uh, there's a game should be starting up soon, although. Obviously, quarantine sort of messed with everybody's schedule. City of Mists, where the basic premise is that you have a person who lives in a city where things aren't quite right, and then you also have this mythos, this legendary aspect that sort of gets shoved into your personality, and you have to navigate the, in, the parts of yourself that are coming from your logos, your your living person, and the parts of yourself that are coming from this story that's sort of twisting its way into your life, and you have to figure out how to sort of synthesize a person to be from those disparate no, this is like a fun game can I play please <laughs> <laughs> things those disparate aspects and I just I, I'm just super excited about it the character I have is like the ability to be what other people need but they can't control it without like a mirror or something like that so but that's I don't know it's it's an interesting concept that I'm looking forward to explore if i ever get to play glitch i may well have it so that my character is literally dying of gender <laughs> that sounds like a great disease like i sometimes feel like i'm dying of gender oh, gender no. happens near me and i'm like oh really oh can you not 
Can you just go away? <laughs> Don't need gender right now. Don't be gender. Yeah. I'm just I'm just trying to wander around the forest and find bones, guys. Come on, please stop. Um, yes. No gender allowed. So can I move away from uh, tabletop for a second? Yeah. Yes. Absolutely. I was um, just gonna ask that. So. So there's this game universe of Fallen London. Fallen London is very good, uh, but. The like best about it is that names and gender don't really matter so much. You most be... everybody, most everybody is referred to by a, a title as opposed to their actual given or chosen name. And it's a very it's very interesting because like even when you have portraits of people, it's like more often than not it's just referring to with they them pronouns. And I think that's very Excellent. it's a very interesting it's sort of a very interesting space to play in. As like I said moving away from tabletop, they did put out a, a tabletop for their latest game. It's called Skyfarer or Skyfarer. Skyfarer, something like that. You just made me want to start playing Fallen London again. <laughs> I, I cannot keep up with Fallen London, but I will play the hell out of their summons games. Anyway, it's like, it's a very interesting space to play in where, like, everybody in the world is non binary, or at least you don't know their gender and it's you don't have to. Sounds like my and kind I, of world. I just... Can I live there? <laughs> I like it. I like it. I'm moving. I'm moving. <laughs> I'm, the, I mean, I'm, sure, I'm the weird rats might do some weird stuff to you, but... Shoot you? It'll, they'll shoot you. Uh, I will take that. Shoot me, please. I want to move I there. mean, the cis might shoot me too, so... Yeah. <laughs> Something... I've been playing a lot of Scum and Villainy lately. Well, I say a lot. A few sessions. We're having a great time. Again, I'm playing a non-binary character. Wow, me playing a skinny... AMAB non-binary character who's hyper-skilled at one thing and wow me, just <laughs> just make it obvious, why don't you? But something that, that I noticed in the character generation as you go, you choose outfits and presentation and it's clearly marked both in the character sheet and in the rule book that those have nothing to do with gender. Your outfits and your presentation not related to gender or sex in the in the slightest absolutely so you can be wearing a ball gown and fancy gloves and be presenting masculine and it's just not question nice. but like just how the future is love it love it can we I have really this like now? get here faster can this be like what we live in now? can this be the world please okay everybody after quarantine clothing has no gender clothing that's, that's has the rule no like that, that should already be the rule no i know but <laughs> we're gonna we're gonna start enforcing it you know as soon as we go back out i want everybody you know just throw together Masculine some random bodies clothing need to be wearing fabrics skirts because those are amazing yes please space Oh, on a slightly more serious note, I really hope as a society and as a group of societies, it's a future that we can work towards. Oh, um, definitely. I, hey, I think we are starting to move that way. It's going to be slow and painful, and I'm going to be going, why is this, why is this, why, a lot, but... <laughs> But I think we're getting there. I mean, we've seen we've seen people on red carpets, you know, men wearing beautiful dresses. Uh, it's amazing. I love every second of it. Yeah, and like, so I think I think we're gonna get there. Not to mention the women in suits. Mm, beautiful. Yeah, it's nice. Every time Janelle Monet wears a suit, I just get down. <laughs> you have a reason to. Like, I mean, who wouldn't be? I know I haven't followed up on it, but did, wasn't there a question about whether Janelle had actually come out as non-binary? There's some rumors and so far, but I haven't seen any clarification either way, and yeah. I don't like... I don't want to make assumptions. I don't yeah. like to make assumptions, and I don't like outing people against their will, so... Yeah. I mean, she did... I mean, there was one thing where Janelle put out a... Uh, I don't know if I can 
can find the Twitter post. But they put out they put out a post saying like I'm non-binary, which but like it was just a hashtag if I remember properly. Yeah, so, so so it was unclear. It's like is this support? Of course. Then the, the point is is like how <laughs> how much more explicit does someone need to be? <laughs> yeah, I think there's sometimes a little bit too much caution. Like and you see it mostly I think with like you see it more often with like bisexual people and non-binary yeah. people to a certain extent anything that isn't quite in the binary as we understand that tends to get a well are they really though yeah yeah so so i don't know i don't i guess i shouldn't <laughs> why do i bring it up <laughs> <laughs> yeah well, non-binary recently who that's a that's a thing Sorry, I, I missed the that. missed the name. Sorry to interrupt, but I just realized, I just remember that Laura Jane Grace came out as non-binary recently. Yeah, she did. They did, I guess. Yes. Um, no, it's she. No, it's still she. Okay. Still, still using she pronouns. Yes. I'm really hoping that I might get an episode with Lauren Jane Grace at some point. I don't keep up with celebrities near enough to know anything about anyone you're talking about. <laughs> okay, so she is the lead singer for Against Me. I have no idea who that is. <laughs> This is me. I live under a rock. Just assume that. That's fine. That's fine. The album Trans Dysphoria Blues was an Against Me album. They're a punk band. I, I just find it really significant to me because that was an album I listened to a lot as I was coming out. I know it's way many years older than when I was coming out. Just don't don't judge me, okay? I mean, I thought I was cis. Okay, but I can't judge you when my favorite decade is the 80s and I was born in the 90s. That happens. Like the link. I was born in 1985 and I probably remember and I barely remember the 80s and I I mean good time all around. Let's let's just agree on that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I can argue it. So <laughs> but yeah, so Lauren Laura, Laura Jane Grace her music was really important like it took me like 10 or 12 times listening to some of those songs before i could even like try and sing along because i was crying so much so like that's means a lot to me and also i've been seeing how she's been trying to deal with the uh, quarantine because she's actually been on tour during this or she was and because of that you know musicians artists everything's going to shit because nobody's buying anything nobody's going to see performances it's it's a mess so I've been checking in, but yeah, so I'm hoping to, to reach out at some point, maybe maybe get her to talk, because she seems like the sort of person. If she would, that would be really cool. I know she was doing Zoom meetings with people who were donating to the relief efforts, so. There have been a lot of people, a lot of people who have donated a lot of money to like the Who and stuff, and I find it just incredible that people can come together over so big a tragedy and be like, no, we are changing yeah. this. But then there's also the flip side of people who are like hosting, what is it, quarantine protests or whatever. Yeah, it's it's a mess. Why? Yeah. All right. Because ultimately they never got past a certain stage of development where they think they're the centre <laughs> of the world. Whereas we all know that I am the centre of the world. And... <laughs> Very clearly. Yes, this is this is Breed coming, joining our call directly from the core. Yep. <laughs> Where I keep the entire place spinning. That's good. We appreciate it. We appreciate it greatly. <laughs> yeah. So We all bow to All right. So, something I forgot to mention in our earlier discussion, a couple points. So, I was talking about how I moderate some groups, one of which is the D&D DMs only group on Facebook, and something that often comes up whenever difficult topics, prejudice of any kind, comes up. We talk about the difference between playing role-playing games for escape and playing role-playing games for engagement and playing role-playing games for wish fulfillment. And I think it's really interesting to see the different approaches people have to that. Because there's a lot of people who, and I, I'd hazard a small majority, so 
55-60% of people are like, I don't want to deal with most forms of prejudice. I'll pick and choose a couple that I want to deal with as central themes in a campaign, and I'll run a game where the rest of the stuff doesn't matter. It's like, yeah, you're dealing with slavery, but gay people are totally okay. There's no gender stereotypes. And I think it's interesting, like, A, it's a bit telling, you know, who chooses which things are escapism and which things are valid things to engage with. And I think there's room for unpacking that, but that's that's not really my main point. Oh, I, I would like. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. I would like to unpack that from a writer's point of view. Like I, I know you mentioned that they're an art, an author, or writer or something. I want to be an author. Mm-hmm. Like that's my my job is to be an author. So I do a lot of writing now. And coming from a, a writer's standpoint, in terms of world building around like what stereotypes, and what biases, and I want to put into the world. A lot of it is what is the world and what don't they like. Yep. So there will be things like maybe racism is a thing but gays are normal yeah so you have to make sure that it fits in with the world they have created but at the same time it's not necessarily sorry go ahead no i was at the same time you have to be aware that you are building this world and to a certain extent what's good and bad in it is up to you and that's a very hard line to walk i think sometimes oh understandably but like also at least for me i know it's not the case for everybody but at least for me i'm less of a creator and more of a conduit i Mm. maybe write these stories but these stories already exist. I'm just putting them down on paper for the people in my world to be able to read them. So a lot of the stuff that I do, I don't anticipate it happening the way that it happens because I'm letting the story write itself. And the same kind of thing goes with my world building. I create a world based on what wants to be. So it's not necessarily a thing of like, oh, I want to focus on racism and not on homosexuality. It's no, that's just how the world played out. I know for me, in some of the stuff, both the fiction I write and in the games I run. The things I'm avoid are more likely to be things that actively deeply distress and trigger me for all the internet has ruined the inter- ruined that word, but that deeply negatively affect me in a way that I wouldn't be able to write about them or I wouldn't be able to run them in a game without hurting myself very deeply. Yes. And that's definitely also like you have to take into account saying can't write because you don't have it back. Yeah. Like racism is really hard for me to write because I've never Yeah. I think there's a lot of interesting discussions to be had there. I also like the fact that a lot of people, I'm surprised at how many people are able to honestly express this because people don't talk about it that much unless you prompt them. But it seems like a lot of people have a pretty consistent view of like, no, I want escapism. I don't want to deal with these. And there are other people like, no, I absolutely want this because I want to be able to change it because my wish fulfillment is living in a world where there are bad things, but I can make them better. And other people's wish for film. A method of coping at both. Yeah, because like I can't just blow up a transphobe's house in the real world. There's a lot of reasons I can't and probably shouldn't do that. But if only <laughs> in a D and D game, fireball. You know? Yeah. And I think there's kind of that sort of like working out stresses. And I know the catharsis is a large topic and not entirely positive and all sorts of things there, but I think there is value in sort of allowing, creating a space in a world where the players can make change through their own actions that improve the world around them. And I think that a lot of the LGBT plus community actually does do that. And honestly, it's usually people who, when I talk about these things in DMing groups, where we're, when I talk about these things, people, a lot of the times it's LGBT plus people who are saying, oh yeah, I include this. And 
And then cishet folks are like, no, I don't really touch on it. Or that's not a thing that matters. Oh, don't get me started. Gender doesn't matter in my game. Sexuality doesn't matter in my game. I'm like, really? Really? So you've, well, you've never... Yeah, because you don't have to win. I'm just like, so you've got... So you've got the blacksmith's uh, husband, and the fact that the blacksmith is is a woman, you say, oh, that's not sexuality. But as soon as the blacksmith is a man, suddenly that's sexuality in your game. And it's like, well, I think you had yeah, it there to start yeah. with. You just didn't notice. Yeah, you just assumed that straight was the default, and anything else was... Yeah. Yeah, there's a lot of that. Yeah. And some people are like, oh, that's a good I point. subverting that. Yeah. Uh, yeah, when you can actually say to a person, so you assumed that heterosexuality was the default, they go, oh, shit, I did. And I like talking to those people, because yes. they're usually willing to learn. Yeah. But anybody who doubles those down is just not worth my Banhammer! Okay, I don't Honestly. ban all of them, but I ban most of them. But yeah, so I think I think that notion of like escapism versus empowerment is a really interesting dynamic, and I think it I think the most important part of that is not that one is better than the other. It's a game. We're here to have fun. Yes, we can use games to do more than just have fun, but we don't have to, and that's work. Sometimes it is just nice to be a bunch of people having adventures and doing weird things. Yeah. Uh, 100%. I'm I, I'm gonna kind of not really plug my current one of my current games right now. Go for it. We literally decided to do essentially a crap game of kinky D and D, where <laughs> literally the whole point of the game is to have sex with as many people as possible. <laughs> nice. Bards. It is great. It is hilarious. No, and I maintain a I main little bit of a sausage fest because that's just how kind of it landed. But it's hilarious and it is so much fun. And that's literally like it, there's no point to this except to have fun. My friend is currently creating their own cyberpunk game where creating your own community to fight back against corporate and police oppression is explicitly in the narrative. Excellent. Which I will, of course, be advertising everywhere when it finally is in a publishable state. Uh, you will all be buying it because I will make you. <laughs> yeah. uh, I possibly deny Overlord. Exactly. But, and I've been alpha testing it with a, couple, a few other people for them. And that's been a lot of fun because that was the first game in which I explored an explicitly masculine presentation for myself. And was also, and it's also the first game in which I've ever played a male character. Because before that, I've always exclusively played women or non-binary people but it's just sorry i was going somewhere with this and i've lost it <laughs> <laughs> happens that's like the biggest mood for me we were talking about sort of empowerment yeah and i found the whole idea that yeah the world i was in was a dystopia but i just one small slightly me very messed up person could make it at least a little better in my own communities made me more willing to do activism and more able to do activism in my real life yeah i think there's some interesting arguments to be made for the ability of games to politically engage, but that's probably out of the scope of this. Well, mm, to some extent. I firmly believe that as part of the LGBT plus community, our lives are pretty much inherently political for as long as it's a question that gets voted on. You know, our rights are... As long as people are going to keep voting on my right to exist, my I'm going to keep being aggressively, angrily, and annoyingly political. Yeah, I mean, I don't have a choice. <laughs> my existence is political as long as you're voting on it. Exactly. Yeah, So. so yeah... So I think I think there's some interesting stuff there. I do like how 5th edition of D&D &D has included more stuff like Corlon's Blessing and 
you know, non-binary gods, a focus on changelings, a focus on elves, a focus on... Oh, this is being a changeling the goddamn dream. Yes. Oh, please. I need one changeling. (laughs) For a gender-fluid person, I just want to be be a different presentation every day. Sometimes multiple different ones a day. Um, I had played exactly one changeling, and it was unfortunately just for one shot. But it was one of the best experiences of my life, and I want to do it again so bad. Yeah. Nomi, you were saying something? Uh, I think you got cut off. I said, I don't know about any of you, but I was taken by the phase of being. Oh, yeah, well, look, we're not that lucky. Not all of us. <laughs> one of my friends did say, you know, some of the stories you've told me about where you grew up, I'm pretty sure you probably disappeared with the Fae for three days and just nobody noticed. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's entirely hot. Let's be real. <laughs> I didn't realize there were that many Fey down in the Earth's core, but I guess that makes sense. I don't make the rules. No. <laughs> I just enforce. Yeah, that's that's no me in my job. We're DMs. The Fey are everywhere. Let's be real. But yeah, so so I'm I'm pleased with that. I'm less pleased with how it kept getting reported as gender fluidity in elves when changing your sex doesn't really have much to do with changing your gender. I mean, it's yeah, related. Yeah, people still haven't quite caught on to the idea that gender and physical sex aren't the same thing. You don't say. <laughs> I never would have guessed. Uh, They're getting there pro slowly. Tip, pro Give- tip. Pro tip for any cis people listening, sex and gender are different. Very different. G- give them a little bit of leeway. They're still learning. They'll figure it out eventually. <laughs> Seriously, though, if you're cis and you've listened through this far, you're willing to learn, and we and I'm pleased for it. Yeah. Remember, yeah. sex yeah. is fucking, and gender is a fuck. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that's, that is exactly it. <laughs> Alright. Sex, sex is fucking, and gender is... <laughs> Do I have to? What is a gender? What is in a gender? Is My gender is the void between space gender, and time. Gender is confusion. Gender is confusion. Let's just put it that way. Yeah. Don't tell the cis, but but I'm very confused about my gender, just not in the way they think. Yeah. Not in the way you yeah. think. <laughs> I'm confused about my gender, but mainly about, like, why it's there. Um, <laughs> yeah, if I could stop collecting... Can I, can I trade in gender? Can I trade in gender for something else, please? How about an agenda? I could do with more notebooks. I mean, uh, I really yeah, couldn't. Yeah, that'll work. That'll work. Give me an agenda. I will, give me, I, will, I will trade my gender for one whole nook mile. Well, every queer person is playing is playing Animal Crossing, but me. Hey, I'm not. No, me I don't have too. a switch. I, well, I don't me. understand what this game. Is. I don't understand what the fascination with this game is. I I generally do not understand. <laughs> I think it's that you get to be a cute. You get to be a person surrounded by cute animals, building a building a cute place. Oh, so it's for furries. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> There's a whole there's a whole dissertation on why the furry community is so queer in general. Yes. Well, there were about five. Yeah, I, I like the queer furries. Uh, the Nazi furries can fuck it. We floated about five different podcast ideas in this first episode alone. Yeah, that's fine. Yeah, that's that's cool. I'll I'll talk about furries at some point. That sounds great. <laughs> yeah. So so I'm gonna bring back sort of coming back to tieflings where we started this virtue names. I love virtue names. So for those of you unfamiliar listening in the audience, you know, people hiding under rocks and people who don't like D&D, tieflings have how this happens across all cultures, I don't know. But they they take up a name they call a virtue name, which is this name that becomes a sort of just 
an aspirational or a sarcastic or a sardonic, you know, some some sort of meaning that is not it's not necessarily a conventional name. Like I was talking about my character called Sagacity because they aspire to that to a sort of wisdom. And I think there's a lot of value in the concept of virtue names, not just in and of itself. I think it'd be really cool if everyone when we came of age could choose our own name. Normalize name changes. I think that would be great for the trans community. Yeah. And I think that'd be great for a lot of people who aren't trans and just like have trauma have baggage revolving around their names or just want to do some or just want to do some self-exploration yeah that too there needs to just be a period of time where we are allowed to change our name as many times as we want or need to yeah and it's like socially yes yeah but so so i love i love virtue names i mean that's i use i use temerity and tenacity those are virtue names i knew when i was choosing my names that i'd be setting out for that i had other restrictions about like you know vocal sounds do these sound vaguely name like in english and then it's like we have virtue names in english charity chastity breed is a variant on bridget which translates approximately to strength yeah so like a lot of names are totally already virtue names we just sort of remove them from that content and i don't think that's i mean it's yeah. not bad but i think allowing or totally ruin them <laughs> yeah creating more space for people to have non-standardized names to have names that really have a personal meaning to them i think would be incredibly valuable because when i introduce myself as temerity as tenacity i'm not just giving you something to call me i'm telling you about things that i feel are important about myself that i am tenacious that i have a little bit of a sense of humor that i'm you know nobody calls themselves temerity without a little bit of tongue-in-cheek to that and i think not unless they're very very pretentious yeah well i mean i am very pretentious so that could be part of this but but i think i would love to see people doing virtue names even as nicknames I think it would have a huge value in just seeing more of that. A more modern and trans-friendly trans take on the Puritan names, which were all out of the Bible, and stuff like, Believest in God or Thou be, be Damned Carter. They're kind of <laughs> awesome. Those names are kind of badass, I'm not gonna lie. I'm not religious, <laughs> but like... bring back that tradition? Yes. Like, just let's bring that tradition back and you know modernize it please yeah drinks yeah. coffee at 3 a.m granger yeah i'll take that <laughs> bring like drink coffee. it just you know pops in my head so nomi nomi is sort of a virtue name i've gone by nomi for a while it's taken from sensei which is yes. a show made by two trans women who are not great they're not good people but we have to allow but we have to avoid respectability politics and allow trans and non binary people the option to just be kind of terrible people. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Anyway, yes, there's uh, there's definitely baggage wait. with Wachowski's, but go ahead. So there's a so there's a character in Sensei named Nomi. She took Nomi as her actual chosen name. I didn't, but I do go by Nomi basically everywhere. Nomi is taken from the adage of know thyself. Like be aware of like who you are as a person uh so you can interact with the world in the most true possible way and that's yeah i i, I relate to that a lot so much it's very good fuck yes <laughs> and so like in a way i guess no means a virtue name yeah i don't know i just it just sort of it just sort of vibed with me i guess yeah yeah for sure it just sort of vibed with me as a completely legitimate path um <laughs> 
Yes, absolutely. Pick a name you like. Go for that's, it. That's the experience. Of, like, basically, actually, just the clear experience of, huh, this label just sort of vibes with me. It's good. Yeah. <laughs> and I'd love to talk about Sense8 in some episode. I should do that. I did really? love Sense8. There's so much to talk about there. It's... There's a lot to, to unpack, but also a lot to celebrate, and I yeah. like that. Yeah. Yeah, I think, I think that's one of the things that is like, allow space for for people to be imperfect but still hold them accountable i think there's some value in both of that i just generally think we should stop holding lgbtq plus people to higher standards than straight people are ever held up to well yeah any single mistake that any of us ever make is a betrayal of the entire community that's just not sustainable and it ends up burning people out oh yeah definitely like fucking i can't actually think of an example but you know how you know how hollywood in general is just awful yeah but then as soon as, as soon as the person is also gay we can't consume any of their content at all and this happens with women more than men as well like yeah. female artists if they are if they say something that's dodgy if they say something that's bad if they do something cruel or unkind they are held to account much stricter than actual like abusers male abusers and it's just like yeah i'm seeing um i'm seeing a thing here like i'm not saying what this person did is good but i'm just saying that you're still cool with the person who literally strangled someone so yeah um, it's, it's yeah. a horrible pattern of like if you're not a great cis white guy then everything that you do is looked at with a measure of skepticism, skepticism. and you have to be perfect and human beings just and cannot yeah. be perfect yeah. it is fine to call somebody out if they've messed up always but you can't hold people to standards of perfection. I do. I do want to say, as as a caveat to all of this, yeah, like, um, yes, I will. I totally want to support the LGBT community in all of this. But we have a problem with racism. That's oh, a, a different. Huge, huge that's a problem. I, I can't. I'm not going to even attempt to try and do that in the end of a of a, this episode. Maybe one day I'll have the right people to talk about that. I don't feel necessarily that I'm the right person, but. I do want to say, I like, don't ask me. <laughs> we need, we, we do need to keep an eye on that one in particular. Oh, yeah. I, this is the thing. This is probably somewhere where my own privilege tripped me up there. I wasn't meaning to. No, no, uh, I, I, I understand. I, I just, I just want to want to make sure. I wasn't meaning to say, yeah. oh, we ignore racism because they're gay. <laughs> uh, no, we do not ignore racism because they're gay. We say, no, stop it. You're racist. Yeah, but but yeah, I I, I, I do see where you're where you're saying. You know, like compared to cis cishet white people. LGBT plus white people are held to much higher standards, and the same is true for all races, uh, that the standards are not equal between those two groups. And yeah, I mean, again, it's an issue with intersectionality with, you know, as you said, even even women, like cishet women are held to higher standards. Yeah, but I'm just thinking of like, to compare it, media, I guess, shows that we're on about the same time, like Steven Universe versus uh, Star versus the Forces of Evil, where Steven Universe did things i don't remember exactly what the charges were but they basically amounted to rose is a bad person and that's it so we should stop watching this show versus star versus the forces of evil who had one character one of the kid characters is technically like 35 because he lived in the woods and then magic and then it's talked about joked about a lot 
and he's still in a relationship with like a 13 year old gross uh, gross yeah, and, and yeah the fact that the fact that you're yikes about that is not something that most of the the fans of Star Wars the Forces of Evil were God. for a very long time versus like the entire genre of of SU critical people oh, God, I don't know critical. I just I'm just I just notice a theme is all I just notice yes. a theme and it is a strong theme and I'm not saying that these things aren't worthy of criticism I'm just saying the amount of criticism they get oh, yeah. in comparison to similar or worse things from cis straight white abled creators is noticeable yeah, yeah absolutely yeah. absolutely no, i'm just saying i'm just saying like steven universe as a very a visibly queer show versus star wars the force of evil who is like generic sort of kids fantasy kind of thing whereas mm-hmm. like amount the amount of criticism which is next to none versus this was an entire separate interests of people to dunk on su yeah, I think anything that becomes popular and beloved by queer people becomes a target to some kinds of human people. <sighs> Absolutely. One of, one of the episodes I'm going to record, I have I have some thoughts on on that as well. But uh, I'm not going to. Well, I will that. be listening to the podcast, and, but possibly not the episode I'm on because hearing my own voice makes me cringe. Exactly. Yeah, I imagine I imagine that might be more common in this particular podcast than a lot, and I can't imagine why. <laughs> oh wait. And guess what? <laughs> You're going to have to listen. Listen to all of this and your voice all the time. <laughs> yeah, that's that's gonna be fun. Maybe I'll start voice training. Then no one will recognize me who starts at the beginning of the podcast. <laughs> like, what? Why is your voice an octave high? What is going on? <laughs> all right. Well, I had to do something, so it. I totally understand your pain, and I wish you the best of luck. Thanks. I always had quite a relatively high-pitched voice when I was younger, and I always hated it, and I could never quite figure out why until I went, oh, <laughs> not actually a girl. Egg! Um, Egg! The big. <laughs> all right. Well, it's I want to like, thank why you Why was all? I so aggressively anti-feminine? Oh. <laughs> all right well i want to thank you all for coming let's let's do another round just talk about who we are anything you're selling anything you want people to buy go for it uh nomi do you want to how about my writing commission (laughs) yeah sure i have time in the world because of this quarantine please fill it up with writing commissions you can find my information on my twitter at at l chaos spelled k-h E-I-O-S. I have all of my information there. Uh, you can find my commission sheet and it lets you know like what I what I will write, what I won't write, the prices general. They're a little bit flexible because there's some wonkiness pricing, but I mean I will let you know beforehand what you would be paying. So there's all that. Please give me some writing things to do. Alright. Uh, similarly, I'm a fiction writer, but I'm also a copywriter. If you need any copy written, you can find me through my writing Facebook, which is C.B. Blanchard on Facebook. I'm sure there'll be a link below. I my Again, my pricing is variable, but just contact me and I will let you know. Thank you, Breed. I'm Laura Grace, also known as Nomi. Uh, I'm not selling anything. I'm just vibing. <laughs> <laughs> vibing is valid. All right. Also, I'm g- I am also going to take this chance to point out that my spouse sells chainmail go- chainmail goods on Etsy. Just Chris Designs, please buy something. They're really good. Put out for me. That sounds amazing. Uh, personally, please send that to me. I will. I will. I will. <laughs> I will DM you as soon as we've hung up. Um. <laughs> uh, I'll allow it. I, 
I'll allow it. I know, I know he's cis, but like him getting money keeps you fed, and well, oh, we want that. Oh, he's not actually or... though. Oh, he's not. Oh. No. Well, why didn't you because... invite him? <laughs> <laughs> Sweetheart, are you okay with me telling the entire world that you're non-binary? <laughs> Was that a yes? Actual statement. Anyone who hasn't guessed hasn't been paying attention. All right. Um, well, clearly I yeah, wasn't paying attention. Yeah, he uses he he use he uses he him pronouns, but he is in fact non-binary well excellent i, mean, I was so worried you well. said he was gonna jump in on the on the call and i'd have to mute it because he's you know he, he's he, not he's one very of good girls. he's very good he's been watching uh, Lord, he's been watching the hobbit ah, um yes. or lord yeah. of the rings or one of them <laughs> all right well thank you all what's in it gender is a podcast created edited and operated by t granger the opinions expressed within are those only of the speakers Guests of the show have given permission for T. Granger to edit, repackage, and republish this content. Find What's an Agenda online at whatsanagenda.com, on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash whatsanagenda, on Twitter at at whatsanagenda, or on Discord at discord.gg forward slash qx6jw78. That's uppercase Q and lowercase everything else. If you would like to offer financial support out of the generosity of your heart, or because you'd like access to exclusive Discord content, including a voice channel with the creators of this content, and early or bonus tracks, go to my Patreon at patreon.com forward slash what's an agenda. If you have comments or questions, email me at podcast at what's an Thank you for listening. What's an agenda? Copyright 2020. All rights reserved.